Hey you guys, hope you're well. I just wanted to take this opportunity and let you know about our amazing new business scalability scorecard. So have you ever wondered if, you've, if you're an entrepreneur, you're a business owner, and you want to grow and scale the business but not sure how, and you're looking for some advice and you're looking for some strategies about how you could effectively grow and scale your business, well, this is your opportunity. We have actually created an amazing uh, business scalability scorecard. It takes you around seven to eight minutes, and at the end of that, it will actually create a report of all of the things that you're doing particularly well in and the things that you need to make improvements to your business. And uh, it's a great tool and a great asset for your business. To get free access to that, go to bit.ly forward slash business hyphen scalability hyphen scorecard. Go there, go now. Take care, see you soon. This is the Game Changers Experience. Deep dive conversations with leading business disruptors, Olympic athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and influencers from around the world. This show will teach you insights about the winning principles in mindset, productivity, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, business strategy, and more. Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and public speaker, Adam Strong. Hello, everybody. So interestingly enough, you'll be able to see that I am in a different place this time around. Uh, yes, I have left the paradise and I am here back in Scandinavia. As you can see, it isn't so blue skies. But anyway, that's a whole new ball game. We are not here to talk about the weather. We're here to talk about many different things, right? We're here to talk about breakthroughs. We're talking about we're here to talk about getting access to some great speakers. We're here to talk about how we can take you to the next level, essentially. So, so really excited about tonight. And I'm gonna, I don't know about you guys, but uh I've been working on something really, really juicy, right? <laughs> My friend Jamie Sarah, she likes to use the word juicy, and it's kind of catching on a little bit. Anyway, I'm working on something really, really big, and all will be revealed in the next 10 to 14 days, I reckon. Super exciting. Like, no one really knows anything about this project that I've been working on. Like, I've been keeping it really silent. But it all will it all be revealed in the next 10, 10 to 14 days. But honestly, it will blow you out of the water. Literally blow you out of the water. So before we get started, if you are listening to me live or whatever it might be, do me a favor. Give me a like, share, or comment on the comment section below. You can do that by uh, uh, by doing that by clicking here. If you're listening to us on StreamYard, except the T's and C's, which is above my head, and uh, then we know who you are, right? Because otherwise it'll come up YouTube user, Facebook user, LinkedIn user, and all the other users, and I won't know who you are. So listen, guys, uh, be great to have some some comments, some likes, share comments. So share some love, make some comments, and if you have any questions, then let's do that. So, yes, anyway, so today's guest, well, this particular lady I've known for probably the best part of five, six years, I reckon, probably five or six years. And I, and what's really interesting is we actually have similar interests in, in, a, in a sense of, you know, she was playing rugby, I was into sport and, and into sports performance coaching. In fact, this was longer than six years ago. And then I was the... Um, uh, have a degree in nutrition and things like that. And then what happened is then it completely 
um, you know how it is with people we just kind of lose contact right and then you kind of come back into rekindle spirits and stuff like that but anyway come long story short this particular lady has gone through quite a journey um from uh from you know and she's transitioned from corporate life to entrepreneurial life which we'll talk about during the show because it can be extremely challenging to say the least and uh and i'm really looking forward to some of our conversations that we're going to have today uh, but we're also going to be sharing about some of the things that we're going to be doing as well uh together so uh, so she is a uh, an ancestral ancestral healer i probably said that incorrectly um uh, she's a coach she's an author um and she's a great person and i wonder if you can probably i wonder if i don't know if you guys can maybe pick up some of her accent well maybe not if you're out of the uk or whatever it is but she's got a very distinct accent which you might be able to pick up on so um put your round of applause for vicky ball Woo! <laughs> thank you adam for that lovely introduction how you doing i'm doing really good thanks really good it has been a fantastic wednesday it has been a fantastic wednesday indeed absolutely yeah. so good to catch up it is it is it's been what like a month since we last spoke so this is yeah. it's well overdue yeah it's well overdue 100 we like to have a good old uh chin wag and a, a good old chit chat so that's, that's all good but listen i know we've got um people listening in from all over the world and whatever it might be but you started your life in the corporate world and, and have been, you know, you you, you you worked up the corporate ladder and so forth. But you've now transitioned to more of a, what I call an entrepreneurial business owner life. Why? What was the big reason why you decided to kind of kind of move into those into that into that arena? Because it's very different from corporate life. But let's mm. uh, let's get some let's get some background from you. OK, so. Um... Well, we've known each other a long time, very long time. Um, but my journey to to exiting corporate starts before it even really began, if I'm being completely honest. Interesting. So yeah, so I I come from quite a poor part in Newcastle, uh -huh. and you know everything in Newcastle was always about how much money you make, and you got to make sure that your family's looked after. And when I finished university, I came down. So I went to University of Manchester, came down to Reading, started working for the telecoms companies. And I, I was doing really well. And I was doing so well that I very quickly got promoted through the ranks. In 2011, I split from my long-term partner. And I kind of realized that all I ever had was work. And that's when I made a mental note that I was going to flip it in my head so that work would become... Um, it would become something that I did to to fund the things that I enjoyed in life and it wasn't going to become the be all and end all. And then that started to, to make a shift. So I started to be very selective with the companies that I worked for. I always wanted to make a difference. And the real, the real sort of kick that started me on this journey and this process was having my little man in 2018. Now, my I, I was the primary earner in the family. I was, you know, it, the agreement that I had with my husband when I met him was I'll I'll bring home the bacon and you feed it to the kids. That was the agreement. And, you know, I held this little newborn baby in my arms and I found it so difficult to be apart from him. I, I forgot how to cook. I had to reteach myself how to cook. 
because I, I would have to put my baby down. It was like literally my whole world, instead of having a gravitational field, it was around my little person. And in that moment, I knew that, you know, being out on the road and being a traveling sales rep wasn't going to work for me. And I gave it 12, well, I gave it, I came back from maternity leave. I gave it some time at the company where I was. I got offered redundancy. I took it because it wasn't right. right. I tried software to try something different. And that wasn't right either. I gave that 12 months and it was hand on heart. It was quite possibly one of the worst mistakes I've ever made because I, it was something that I tried to keep in corporate when I knew what I really wanted to do was to live an entrepreneurial life that I could flex time around my family. Mm, love it. Yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting. So, um, I mean, you, you, you know, it, it's quite common though, isn't it, Vicky? I mean, yeah. um, especially in sort of what I call the Western world, even in the UK and whatever it is where, and it's the same for me, right? You know, we all get, we all get conditioned. Our mindsets get conditioned to think that if I'm going to live a successful, happy and fulfilling life, I have to take this particular path. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it's conditioned in us at a very early age. Yeah. And, and in my sort of realization of this kind of led me down the, the path of what I do now for, for work. So it starts from when we send our kids to nursery. Our kids don't go to nursery to have fun and to play. They go to preschool. They educate their kids about what school is, how to hang your coat up, how to put your shoes on. And, you know, it, it's so that the teachers at school don't have to do that with everybody. It's just the kids that didn't go to nursery. True. We teach the kids to learn things for tests. But the second they pass the test, they can, like, press delete on everything that they've learned. True. And it, it's even as common as in the words that we use to, to talk to our kids. And this, for me, was the real eye-opening experience. Mm. My little man was about six weeks old. Um, he was going through his first sleep regression. I was exhausted. He would feed for, uh, he was a breastfed baby. He would feed for two or three hours at a time. I don't know how he does it because I can't feed for two or three hours at a time. <laughs> that's a machine <laughs> oh yeah he was and you know he needed a, a full change so he needed to like be sponged off during the middle of the night and you know he was kicking and screaming he wanted to be fed and here's me kind of stripping him off getting him cold putting him on a cold changing mat and I caught myself saying the same crap to him as what my parents said to me you're such a disappointment. How can a baby, how can a six-week-old baby be disappointed? And I noticed the frustrations that were coming out. And when you get frustrated, you default to what you know. Yeah. And it's and, it's, it's kind of like trying to reprogram your mind, isn't it? Yes. yes, it is. And that's where I started to to really explore conscious choice. So I can see this coming up now. Yeah. And that was the first time I saw it coming up in my relationship with my son. And there are other times that I see it coming up and I run myself through um, a very quick five stage process, which is what 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 similar event can I relate to that happened to me in the past? Yeah. What did my parents do? How did I feel? How did I want to feel? What would my parents need to do to make me feel that? Mm. And then I go, ah, oh, OK, one, two, three, four, five. Awesome. And then I do that one thing. And I help 
And when you come from an abused background, sometimes that's a lot more difficult than if you had a loving, nurturing home. Yes. Because if you come from a loving, nurturing home, you had that experience. Mm. I didn't. This is this has been a, a really sharp learning curve for me. Mm. And when you have that experience, when you know what you're talking about, then you get to change the cycle of abuse. Just because you had a bad childhood doesn't mean your kids have to. No, very true. And it's 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 very true but it, and and you know i see it so many times not just from a parenting perspective but you know if you have a um a a pain point in your child and this normally goes back to your childhood right yeah if, you, if, if, if you self-sabotage and running your own business if you um if you i don't know if you if you go through relationships and they're always short term and never never long term it's normally because something has happened in early on in life and you haven't quite quite hit the nail of how to fix that thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And the really the really amazing thing is, is that we can remember, we can't necessarily remember the event, mm. but we remember a belief about that event. Yes. And then we actively seek out things to make that true. Yes. It's so kind of... I'll give you an example. Um, yeah. When I was younger if I showed any sort of vulnerability to any member of my family, they would, they would, they wanted me to have a thick skin because that's what you needed to survive in a man's world in the eighties. So they'd poke at me about it and they'd make fun so that I would develop a tough skin. All I got was a mask. So it took me the better part of 30 years to unpick what that is. And now I can't necessarily take my mask off all the time because it's there, it's glued on. I can't remember the exact phrase that my parents used or the vulnerability that it was that gave me that belief. But my belief is I need to have a mask because I can't show my true self to the open world. Mm. And I see it, I see it coming up and then I can choose to act differently. Because it's a belief that, that served me well when I was it's school it's not a belief that serves me well now so when i see it it's oh hey dude nice to see you again and i can right. choose to act differently it's that conscious choice again sure interesting and you know it's also um when we talk about trying to when you're talking about a series of events like a childhood event for example right it's kind of locked into the back of the back of your subconscious mind so it's it's there but it, it's normally triggered through memory, right? That's kind of what you're saying, right? Which is, and and, and what you were sort of talking about with yourself. But also, do you feel also feel, you know, it being your first as well, um, your first uh, child, do you also think that there's an, also an element of protection and, and kind of, oh, I, I want to protect him and things like that? Do you think there's also a combination of that going on as well? You haven't seen me parent my little man, have you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I, I firmly believe that my, my role as a parent, my role as my, as mum to George, my little man, is to help him pick himself up when he makes mistakes. Sure. So um, he plays on climbing frames with 10-year-old boys because he knows how to climb up them. And when he falls and he gets winded, I, you know, he, he comes to me for reassurance. He picks himself up, dusts himself off, comes to me for reassurance. And then it's right. So what are you going on next? <laughs> there's, 
there is a there is protection in what I do, but it's not the it's not the cotton wool and bubble wrap. Right. That a that's lot of good. people think of as protection. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's and, and and it's and it's it's interesting because you do get parents, and, and you know what? It's interesting because I mean, I, as you know, I'm 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 a parent of four, and there's no right or wrong uh, when it comes to being the perfect parent because I don't believe in that. Uh, I believe that you have to do what you feel is right for your kid. 100%. And, 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 and there's no, uh, you know, there's no grandparent, there's no friend, stranger or whatever it is that says, well, maybe you should say, no, it's, you know, that's just the way I do, you know, do you know what I mean? So, I, you know, I just, that's, that, I don't think there is a, an actual book of parenting that says you must do it this way because it's not really true. Um, Every kid is different. Exactly. Every kid is different. And as a parent, you give your kid what they need. Yeah, and, absolutely. You know, every, children are going to have different experiences to you. So I was born in the 80s into a very different world. My son was born in nine, uh, 1918. No, he wasn't. <laughs> 2018. 2018. Very and, different. And when he's 20, the world is going to be a hugely different place. So how do I prepare him for when he's an adult, when... You know, there's going to be, you know, nearly 50 years between us. Exactly. It's going to, how do you do that? Well, you teach them the stuff that's going to help them to make his own choices. You teach them critical thinking, being able to pick himself up. You teach, you teach your children the stuff that not only you believe, but it's going to support him in their development. True. Very true. Anyway, enough about parenting. I want to talk about some of the struggles that you were, I mean, you, you went through some struggles making those transitional, uh, that transition from corporate life to entrepreneur. And I, I know that cause we've spoken about it and you've kind of like been like, Oh, should I do this? Or should I do that? And it's kind yeah. of this, you know, this, this indecisiveness of uncertainty. And I think that what do you what, what is your take on people what is your take and your experience from your perspective what are the struggles did you endure to try to make that transition as smooth as possible um well i had the i had the advantage that i'm financially independent um so there wasn't there wasn't a looming mortgage over my head that's good and and we could live off my husband's salary so there wasn't an immediate desire to earn money today sure so it allowed me an element of wiggle room which a lot of other entrepreneurs don't necessarily have. And during my life in corporate, I was a new business sales person. So I was very used to being able to go, oh, I can do that thing, put my hand on a set of collateral, know what I'm talking about, draft a proposal, run it through a product guy's hands and go, yeah, that's fine, and get it out the door. I don't have... Well, I didn't have when I started all of the services that I did productized. Yeah. It was conceptual. It was individual basis because every single person that I work with is unique. I have a list of skills that I take them through, a list of examples, a list of workshops. But what I would do with you, Adam, would be completely different to what I'm doing with another client of mine, say right. an 18-year-old girl, completely different. Yeah. So then how do you then put your hand on something and wheel out a product you, you 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 can't and then there's that element of hesitation and procrastination then started to set in which was the how do i know i'm doing something right how do i know 
and what's right for your business because you've been going um well you've been an entrepreneur since you were a kid you know your experience of entrepreneurship is completely different to mine so it's even if i was to start in the same place as you did adam you know i just it, it wouldn't work for me as a person so then you're thinking well how do i take the best of both worlds and the answer is is you speak to people true you just pick up the phone you speak to people you get I talk a lot about poop, the power of other people's perspective. Love it. Which is the, oh, I think you should do it this way, which is, you know, someone's giving you their impression of your situation and where you would navigate to off the back of that. Well, that's only, when you talk to somebody, you use selective wording to either build yourself up or make yourself the victim um, because you either want sympathy or you want to share in your success. Yep. Well, when you're looking for advice, you're always going to make yourself look the victim. You're always going to make, like use certain language. And if you're always just doing what everyone else thinks you should do, you miss out on listening to what you feel is right for your business. And you then become little mini copies of everyone else's business. And then in six months' time, you go, oh, my God, I've been doing this for six months. It's still not working. But you're trying to be Adam Strong. You're trying to be all these other people. It's just not going to work. So listen to everyone's advice and then do what you think is best. Yep. Very good. Awesome. So talk, talk to us a little bit about, um, I mean, you, you've moved into kind of a form of healing and coaching and stuff like that through yeah. personal experience. And, you know, you've got an abundance of uh, skill set as well. Tell us a little bit about some of the problems that you're, solving for some of your clients and you know who are your clients essentially wow um my clients tend to fit into a couple of categories okay. um so the first category that i work with are parents who who see themselves becoming their parents and i'm working with um, i'll talk about two ladies um their kids are grown and and their kids always say to her, oh, my God, mom, could you just like not be perfect? You have these unbelievable standards. And her mom had those standards. She was the oldest of four. And if there was a to do list of five things or 10 things, and if she did nine of them, it would everything would always be about the one thing that she didn't do. Well, that's what she's doing with her kids. And now that she's the carer of her grandkids, she wants to to stop that she wants to she wants their the grandkids to kind of be free of that mm. so i take her through i've been taking her through some series of examples of you know managing expectations and different ways that you can communicate i draw on a lot of experience from marshall rosenberg who wrote nonviolent communication god rest him um that book has had the most phenomenal impact on my life um and the other lady that i'm working with um, she was subject to emotional abuse from her parents to the extent that she backs away from arguments. She backs away from any form of conflict whatsoever. Mm. So then her kids railroad her. And because her kids are so used to getting exactly what they want from their mum, whenever they're out in the real world, at school, playing sports, whatever it is, and they don't get what they want, they then give up. Mm. And the walk off. So um, her son um, got taunted. He missed it. He had a, a shot at goal and he took it. 
and the goalie saved it and everyone thought he should have he should have made the goal well instead of taking it on the chin and go i'll get it next time he stormed off the pitch and kind of started walking home because yeah because of the expectations he was so used to getting everything his own way because he got that from his mum and i take her through um i'm taking her through examples of being able to hold her space and hold her power and then we role play um i've done some work with our son particular her son and then taking them through that so now he's not as bad as he was there's still room to go so yeah and that's the parents that's the parental side i also sure. do some work with dads but it is predominantly mums and the other side is people who are abusers who want to stop people who are either physically aggressive to their partners or feel that rage build up inside them that they literally don't know what to do and they punch a wall and storm out the house or they just need to be able to vent that aggression and they and people who are like that usually spend a lot of time in a gym to 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 kind of expel their tension so what usually happens is they're stacked guys or girls so when they throw a punch it hurts and yeah i know um, <laughs> I, I speak to that um so during my time as a child i was an abusee mm. of my parents and then as i kind of became into my late teens i became an abuser and when i when i became a mom I noticed that if I if I continued down that path, I would continue to be an abuser. And yes, it was emotional abuse rather than physical, but the practice is still the same. Mm. You get the same emotions, you get the same feelings. It's how you react to them. Mm. And the most powerful thing, and it's really difficult to take, really difficult to take, excuse me. It's really difficult to take is that every event is neutral. It's how you interpret that event that then gives you an emotion. Yeah. And then you build the story around yourself. And if that story that you choose to tell yourself, again, conscious choice, sure, is it gets you riled up to the point that you have to do something physically about it, punch a wall, punch a bag, whatever it is, then the story that you can tell yourself can calm you down. Mm. And with practice you can you can tell yourself a different story you can take that that life that you're living where your partner your children are living in fear mm. and actually say you know what i messed up i'm 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 seeking help this is what i'm doing this is how you can help me it's a journey it's when i arrive there it's, it's not a destination it's a journey sure and i'm going through this journey so that you don't have to because kids copy their parents of course they do Role because I, I copied mine. Yep. Interesting. I copied mine. My husband copies his. There's a reason there's a book. I forget the guy who wrote the book. Very famous psychologist. Women grow grow up and marry their husbands, and men grow up and marry their um beg your Women, little girls grow up and marry their dad, and little boys grow up and marry their mom. I can quite comfortably say that if I married someone like my dad, I would have probably killed him by now. <laughs> <laughs> but i saw that i saw that story and i acted consciously to choose a different path mm. and i met my husband and i'm very happy very good <laughs> well listen I, I got an interesting one here because 
for me, you talk, uh, I mean, we've been talking about, um, you know, your experience, which is great and that kind of stuff. But what we really haven't specifically honed down on is the consequences as of if you decide that you're going to continue on that path, what are the consequences if you do continue on that path? Any, any, any thoughts about that? Oh, well, consequences change. Mm -hmm. So if I was to become my mum, I would be a single parent. I would have significant health issues. I would be scrabbling below the poverty line. But I'm not my mum because my mum got turfed out of school when she was 14 to um, to become a cleaner. Um, domestic maid, I think she was, in the 50s. Sure. Well, that wouldn't happen now. I'm... I've got a degree. I'm, you know, very. I had been very successful in corporate, so the paths would be different. So you can't just look at your parents and go, "Well, oh, well, my dad turned out okay," because where you are now and the time and the age that you're living in is completely different. But you can go through that story. You can, you can go down and always look at the worst case scenario, because if you if you plan for that then you know what the worst case scenario is. True. So, and I can only ever speak from my own experiences. So if I continued to mentally abuse my son, mm -hmm. then he would grow up being, well, I would be incredibly controlling. Mm -hmm. That control would spread out into my marriage and to my husband's family. My son would grow up being very self-conscious he probably wouldn't reach his full potential. Mm -hmm. I'd then be poking at him and making his life miserable because he's not reaching his full potential. So I'm just bringing so much more unhappiness. And for me, the worst case scenario would be that my husband and my my husband would take actions to protect our son and take him away. Mm. So then I would be alone, which is one of my greatest fears. Mm. I'd then lose the, the home that I share with my husband um i'd be living somewhere else i wouldn't be living with my family and when you think of that i mean i get i get really choked i can i can i can feel the impact that that would have to me as a person sure and if that's the worst case scenario then i don't want that sure makes sense i don't know if i'm living my best case scenario either but i know that i'm living the scenario that works so mm. anyone who's looking at a situation in their life and they're thinking Oh God, you know, I'm always going for the same kind of partner. I, I'll never ever change. You know what? You can look at the situation that you're in and you then have a conscious choice. So you can do exactly what you're doing. So Einstein famously said, um, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. If the results that you're getting aren't working for you, then you need to do a different action. So look at the kind of people that you're attracting. Are they, are they six foot five rugby players? Are they, you know, IT technicians? And then look one step below, you know, what kind of attributes do they have? Are those attributes things that you like? So for me, because again, only ever speak of my own experience, um, I had a very successful job. Um, I was earning, you know, six digits when I was in my late 20s. Not a lot of people can say that. And quite crazily a lot of men were intimidated by how much money i earned 
So one of the things that I desired in a partner was that they were comfortable in me earning more money than them. They were comfortable with strong women in their life. They were comfortable with a woman taking the lead on occasion. And I wrote down an attribute list for my husband. And it was, I went to town because I wanted to make sure that I had everything. I had four sides of A4 paper. Now people, <laughs> people can listen to me and think, oh my God, she's crazy. All right, who does that? <laughs> so well, if, you, if you're writing a shopping list to go down to your supermarket to pick up all your bits, you want everything that you that you want on that shopping list. Otherwise, you're going to have to go back and make a different trip. Of course. Now, it took me four months to get that attribute list. So it's not something that you can pen overnight with a glass of wine. And I started reading that attribute list in January, the 1st of January, 2015. I started reading that, that attribute list. And when I met my husband, 30 days later, I was like, oh, so... His dad was, you know, quite comfortable being a stay-at-home parent, but it was only because he earned an extra five hundred pounds a year that he didn't. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. That takes off two attribute lists, two attributes on my list. And I was joking about this with a girlfriend. And I'll joke about it with you now, Adam. There was one attribute on my list for Martin that was a partial compliant, and that was Dwayne Johnson's body. <laughs> but. As my girlfriends point out, he does have Dwayne's hairline. <laughs> so that's a partial. Love it, love it, love it. There's no such thing as perfectionism. Otherwise, we're never going to get it. And it's the same with running a business, right? Perfectionism yeah. is poverty at the end of the day. Just never going to get away. Never going to go forwards in life. you got to would, – would you – do you, what do you, do you um, believe in, the, in, in, uh, in compromise? I believe in balance. Balance, yeah. Okay. I believe in balance. So from a sales perspective, there will you'll have this like utopia in your head of what you're what you're selling. Right. And and what the client is prepared to move on. And then you'll negotiate on some of the elements that you're not fussed about. Hmm. But there are non-negotiables in there. And whilst things are never really a compromise, if I do this, will you do that? Is that a compromise or is it negotiation? Is it an agreement? Is it a balance? So I don't like the word compromise. I I, I think it has negative overtones. For me, yeah, I use the word balance. It's interesting. A lot of people will see compromises. Well, <clears throat> it, it might be good for one person, but it might be bad for the other type of thing. Do you know what I mean? So it could be. It's yeah. an interesting. It's, it, I just like to kind of uh, have an open discussion about that. It's kind of interesting. Anyway, we're unconscious of time, but I wanted to sort of ask you, what are you working on right now? What What is it that you uh, – uh, what, what is it that you're uh, working on this year? I know that we're doing some stuff together, which we'll share in a second. What are you What are you personally working on? I've got two big events coming up in July that are shortly going to be hitting the open market. So this is Whoa. hot off the press. There isn't even a website live yet. <laughs> wow. Um, the, yeah, I know. I know. Um, and the two sides are the same coin. So the event on the 2nd of July, which is a free event, it's free to register, it's called The Healed Parent, How to Raise Confident Kids and Create Loving Family Bonds While You Break Through Your Past. This is an event designed for parents who had iffy childhoods. So it's anything that you would want to change about your childhood. And so that you can get advice from 10 like industry inspirational experts from around the world. I've got some of the very best people. And they're going to be interviewed by me throughout the day. And they're going to be sharing tips on anger management, how you can create a loving family household, um, manage other people's 
aggression and violence and communicate more effectively as a family so that you don't have any conflict at home or you reduce the volume of conflict at home, which for me would have been life-saving in the 80s. The second event, which is the week later, which is the 9th of July, is called Raising Superstars. And that's for parents, again, who have children that have different life experiences to them. Maybe they've got fetal alcohol syndrome. Maybe they've got ADD, ADHD, somewhere on the, uh, the spectrum, maybe. Or it could quite simply be that they're very emotional children who feel the pressure of the world or, and parents don't really know how to help them and support them. Yeah. Or maybe they're, they're somewhere on the LBGT plus and as a heterosexual couple, you don't know how to help them and to guide them, but you want to know who to speak to and where to go to find that information. Right. So I've got a mini half day. So I say half day. It's about six hours worth of planning at the moment. Um, and I've got industry experts, predominantly from the UK. Well, predominantly from Europe, actually. But oh. I do have a couple of Americans shipping in as well Very for good. that event. And again, that's going to be free to register. Um, in my In my desire to serve... My events are free. There is a VIP upgrade, which is an option. And, and I just want to—I just want to try. And, sorry. And I suppose, and and I suppose, if people are interested in sort of uh, taking up the offer, I suppose they can connect with you on, on on social media, LinkedIn, and stuff, right? Oh, for sure, definitely. So you can catch me on LinkedIn. Uh, you can catch me and through my my website, vickypoolcoaching.co.uk. Uh, they're going to be going live in the next week. Cool. Very good. Awesome. So, and I know that we're doing some stuff together, aren't we? We're yeah. launching a new, we're launching a new book, aren't we? And you're oh. one of the, you're one of our authors and stuff. But um, just give us a, a quick overview about what is what is your chapter about, and uh, what can people learn from it? So my chapter is it, it draws from the ancestral side of what I do. Okay. Now. The World War, well, the World War, part one and part two, <laughs> still plays a huge part across Europe. And just because we, well, I'm third generation from, not big one, second generation from the, the Second World War, it's still having an impact on my life, which means it's still going to show up in the world today. Sure. And when you can see what's coming up and when you can see what's happening in front of you and understand why it's happened, because a hundred years ago, you know, we, you know, World War One was going on, you know, at Big Pond. We were still recovering from the World War One. You know, we were going in, into a depression. 130 years ago, we wouldn't have had the same difficulties. Our, our upbringing would have been different, not only from a technological, a technological perspective, but in how we actually brought up our kids was different. We bring up our children now to fight and to be more resilient. And when you trace that back to certain world events, you can see the impact that it has. Mm -hmm. And when you see that impact, you then create a choice. So I talk about I talk about the impact from my grandmother um, during the Second World War, who had two roles. Um, she made artillery um, for the Second World War, and she she drove the the army trucks to um, that carry the artillery to the, the shipyards to then be dispatched to, sure. to, uh, to Normandy. And she was instrumental in the family and how the family was raised and how my mum was raised. She was instrumental in how she raised me. And her beliefs at the time 
about what women were. I mean, she she did all this fantastic war effort, but she never once felt that she was equal to a man. Mm. And that got passed to me, that got passed to my mum. Mm. But in a world now where you're striving for equality, it causes division because what you see in the open world isn't what, what goes on in your head. No, true. And then you develop this internal battle and struggles. And uh, I share some reflections about my my own journey, my own experience. Very good. And I share, I share how people can make a difference and how they can make conscious choices. Very good. Awesome. Very cool. So, um, so I'm looking forward to that. I mean, uh, and I know that some of our listeners, listen, guys, are that we 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 don't even have a title yet well i know the of the title i haven't shared with it i'm not going to share with it yet it's like this big extravaganza and so it's kind of the only person that really knows is me and my publisher but anyway the book is due to come out october of this year so fourth quarter of this year i'm really excited about that and uh what that is gonna it's gonna send out massive ripples in the world and uh, because it's going it to it's not about the book and it's not about the authors. It's about you guys that are listening and reading in, because honestly, there's just some great content. I've read every single every single one that's contributed towards the book. Honestly, there's some really fantastic stuff going on in there. So um, so listen, just want to say, Vicky, thanks very much for being on the show today. Hope you've enjoyed it. And uh, thanks for actually being us. Thank you for the invite. It's been great chatting with you tonight and sharing my 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 mantra my words with all of your speakers it's been awesome lovely very good and guys listen if you have any um if you are interested in learning more about vicky's events you can do so by connecting with her on linkedin and or going to her website which you've got vickypool.co.uk and also connect with her you can also mention the show or the podcast or whatever it might be and then she'll know and you'll put two and two together so listen guys hope you hope you well thanks very much for listening in and we'll see you again uh, uh see you again as well each and every single wednesday take care see you soon Cheers now. Bye. Hey, you guys, I just want to say thank you so much for listening in to this episode of the Game Changers Experience. I hope that you got some amazing value, some great insights and golden nuggets that you can implement into your business straight away. I would really, really appreciate it if you could leave a five-star review on the button below. Have a fantastic day and we'll see you on the next episode. Take care.